Welcome to the Advent Sermons and Conversations podcast. This is the Conversations Half. We will be talking about what to do after the call. I'm Deanne. I'm Kevin. And I'm Zella. So, this week, Pastor Danielle decided to give us more of a spoken word poem sermon. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> it was. It was so it was so interesting. It wasn't quite like any sermon I've heard in recent memory. And it was like it was spoken word, but it was like rapid fire, especially yeah. Towards the end, it was moving so fast. I was I was like scribbling down notes yeah. as fast as I could. I was like, ah. Yeah, and it was interestingly interwoven between the the gospel that we read with current events and how she was able to to tell this cohesive story that intertwined both the past and the present and the future, which was was really really interesting to listen to, and it it made the the message and the the reading that we read so applicable to to current events that we're living through. Yeah. And I think that I think there was something really like stylistically powerful and intentional about that choice of that delivery. And I think it's rooted in uh what you Dan said about about communion and how that relates to time. In kind of the learning hour before this, Pastor Danielle was mentioning that when we take communion, it's kind of like time is compressed because we're taking communion with the um, disciples on Monday, Thursday, who uh, in kind of the first communion, as well as all of the disciples all of the people who have taken communion in the past and currently are taking communion and will take communion in the future. So she did a similar thing with this sermon of blending like what is the past, what is the present, what is the future. And it was a short sermon. Yeah. Like the sermon was, <laughs> and she was speaking quickly and it felt like the sermon was literally compressed in the same way that she had been talking about time being compressed when we when we take communion and kind of fold it over itself yeah it was yeah it was a short sermon and it was just like packed with so much yeah absolutely there were lots of different layers that kept kept showing up and there was a lot of of repetition and she was able with the stylistic medium that she chose to kind of use parallelism and other devices to kind of connect both the beginning and the end like one of the things that she talked about was news and she talks about how at the beginning it she starts literally with the very striking statement god is dead and she talks about i know it was, was wild. like oh my gosh <laughs> it was wild <laughs> we were captivated but then she i mean she's talking about all the you know cnn and syria and hearing about refugees and immigration and and all of these different really challenging social issues that are that are very actual and very current and yet at the end she's able to tie it in with how there's this other news that is not what you see on tv but it's what we as christians are are commissioned to go out and spread and it's the news that god is not dead and that even though yes we we did kill him we put him on that cross he was risen from the dead and he's able to meet us and we have encounters with christ and so it's her ability to to layer on kind of feeling feeling down on the news which is i think something very applicable to to yeah. what we feel <laughs> all the time um, a bit. yeah exactly um with how but we have this awesome news that we also get to get to spread which i thought was really cool yeah and you know really there's i see all the easter story yeah that that death and that despair and giving up like christ has died and then 
price has risen. Mm-hmm. I, I see that today. Like yeah. it's very applicable. Like it, the there's things like like the destruction that we wreak on the earth and environments and uh, you know regimes and political systems and economic systems that uh, just that kill and oppress and move people yeah. and the way humans as a collective civilization act ha- hurts so many people yeah. and creates so much death and things to be sad about. Yeah. Like that. So that feels thinking about that feels like right before Easter. And yet we have this good news of Easter of like, we are the disciples who didn't know that during that time, God was doing a new thing Yeah, and bringing hope into that, into the world. That's so good. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's also, I know there are studies about like, what kind of posts get shared the most on social media mm. and it's often posts that make people angry mm-hmm. uh, so it's kind of that's um we naturally feed into that of if this is angry we want to share it did the article explain or at least ponder why that is um it probably did but i can't remember it that well <laughs> i'm just curious like what is it about human nature and the way we use social media that makes us want to share information or an opinion that would provoke anger. Mm -hmm. So then it's kind of on the flip side of that, Christianity is all about literally the good news that's gospel that and going out and sharing that and sharing that positivity and that light, even in the darkness. Yeah. I mean, what, what would it look like to share something on social media that's healing that brings people together. Yeah. I don't see a lot of that. I do see like good uplifting stuff. You know, there's there's some news outlets like Upworthy that are dedicated to that, which is great. Um, but I also think about like, to me, the good news of Christ is also about bringing like peace and healing into the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've, I've yet to see a post on social media that like brings people who were disconnected to being like, oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I understand you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And that kind of goes back to what Ross was saying last week is it's like, it's the good news, but it's not like, oh, everything's good now. Like, no more darkness, all light, happy days. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there's still problems, there's still war, and we still have to kind of fight against that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is is something that's so important to remember as a Christian. It's that like the world has been saved and like we have this incredible news and this incredible promise, but that doesn't mean that we don't have problems and that we we shouldn't be trying to escape from that. Like we we are commissioned to go straight into those problems and to go straight into it with this news and encounter that that hard news that we're hearing with this wonderful incredible saving news that we have. And so it's yeah, it's it's just really challenging to to hear these hear these problems in the world and not not feel like you want to retreat from it, but rather we we need to dive into it and and that is where we are called to go and that is where we are called to bring that light. To me, the the trickiest thing is that you know we we live in a world where we don't really have to seek out information mm-hmm. like or news. Like it comes to us, it, yeah. it bombards us. Whether it's, you know, it may be like more like advertising, kind of telling us a message about a product that's supposed to make us desire it, um, or or it's news. And if 
I mean, you can seek out where you want to get your news, but if you didn't, like news would find you. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, you know, it's on our devices. It's, and it's on everyone else's devices and it's on TVs, which are everywhere. And, and there's always something new, you know, there's always mm-hmm. a new problem to be worried about. So it's this constant flow or there's a new development in ones that we're following. Whereas the, the good news of Christianity, it's just stayed the same. Yeah. Which is great. But I, I feel like it's it can make it challenging to hold on to when there's this constant stream, yeah. constant bombardment of the the negative stuff and the problems, and it's it's never ending. And so you don't you don't need reminding about the bad stuff. It will yeah. Whereas the the good news is like we part of engaging in faith and coming to church is that constant reminder and and being able to understand it in new ways yeah which is i mean i think it's so cool that we are able to have sermons like this that are very challenging and very implicating and very applicable to to real world events one of my favorite sermons from a couple years ago the kind of the theme of the the message that it's easy to be a christian in the woods like he was talking about Mm, a spiritual retreat that he'd gone on um and yeah it's nature's beautiful you see god's creation you're by yourself and yeah it's really easy to be a christian in the woods and it's it's wonderful nurturing but you have to realize that christianity is also happening in the middle of these problems and like you have to you have to take that replenishment but go out into the world and spread this good news which it's amazing to be reminded of it and amazing to have an opportunity to see how it can be put into action and exactly what we need to dive into it's it's a lot harder when you're like sitting next to someone who's like infringing on your personal space on the subway to yeah. like <laughs> to, to see god in that moment yeah and in that person mhm and i feel like this is something that i've I've kept coming back to is like, how do I see people as children of God? Yeah. And kind of, it's a similar vein of like seeing everyone's humanity is how, how do I give them that value and that weight? Yeah. Which I thought was another really cool part of the sermon when she moves into talking about communion and how communion is available for everyone and like going back to that idea of of how it's it's something that connects us and it's something that opens up this promise to us is that it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're the grumpy person on the subway or like we we all have sins and challenges and we're all broken people and yet when God has broken that bread like that is the victory and we we're yeah. able to take part in that victory um something that pastor Danielle kept saying is that the bread is broken but it's not beaten um and I kind of heard that as like the, the bread hasn't been defeated. Like Jesus, he he went through all these challenges. He he was physically broken, um, and yet he's not been defeated. And we are able to take part in that victory when we take part in communion. And that's something that we all get to share. And it's not something one person deserves more than another. Um, it's just incredible grace that we get to take part in it. I don't even think necessarily that breaking is a negative thing. Yeah. Like I think in this context, it tends to be when we talk about it generally. For example, there's been times in my life, and I've, I've talked about this before with a Christian perspective, where the the times where the moments my heart breaks are moments where then there are openings for new things to be let in or yeah. new people to be let in. And those the my experiences of struggle and hurt become experiences through which I can understand and connect with other people. 
Wow. That's so good. <laughs> I, I literally broke down, break my heart of stone. Yeah. Yes. That's yeah. Good. Just that, that quote and that idea of, um, uh, I heard this kind of metaphor of, of like writing God's word on your heart and, and the literally on, not in, because so then when your heart breaks, it goes into your heart. Mm. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. but i think like that's and that's what jesus did in breaking the bread you know i think and being as a human broken like i think that's allowing our human experience you know that's god allowing that in yeah Mm -hmm. and yeah and and we can do the same and that that's what i see in in communion Mm mm-hmm I also see the breaking as the sharing. It's splitting something you have so you can share it with someone. Yeah. 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 It's this idea of like these, the resources are, are for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very cool. And, you know, it is important. It, it's, we probably should acknowledge like at our church, at our church, we're very intentional about everyone being welcome to, you know, partake in communion, like mm-hmm. whether you're two years old or whether, you know, you just popped in off the street and wanted to see what's up or whatever not all churches work that way and i think that's not how how we see it but it is it is interesting to acknowledge like maybe maybe you some of you listening out there have had a different experience with communion some some churches believe that people should be baptized first some believe that like there are certain things you you need to do first like confession or something like that that we we we're very uh laissez-faire about it (laughs) Yeah, I know one of them, uh, especially in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, is you only take communion with kind of your home church and with people who know you. And so while on one hand, that can be really limiting. On the other hand, it's kind of this, I feel like it's that intentionality around community. Hmm. Oh, yeah, it's interesting. So if you're like on vacation and you go to church. You don't take communion. Yeah. My godparents are Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Um, so I remember yeah. one time they came to our church, which was ELCA, um, who uh, had the table open to everyone, and they just sat there and were like, no, we don't. We only want to take communion with kind of our community and have that be part of communion. Hmm. That's interesting. There's there's an element of that that I really like. It's like it models like this is a bonding thing between the 12 disciples who are there that's kind of like this is my my team my faith yeah. community on the other hand i i feel like one one challenge that i, I hear at advent i feel like we're intentional about facing is like how do you create a sense of community but make that community completely permeable yeah. and not exclusive mm-hmm. it's great to create a sense of community but if it ever becomes exclusive, then it's not so great. Yeah. It's a, it's challenging to do both. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Because so often we define things like community on who is in and who is out of that community. Yeah. It's so, like a clan yeah. mentality. So how do you have a community that is open to everyone? Yeah. And I mean, and that was something that that Pastor Dan Danielle said is, is she has this moment where she's like, every everybody is sacred um, and every road can lead to Christ. So when we have 
all these different roads that we're traveling on, um, whether we're going to Emmaus, who, who knows where we're going. Um, often it's, often it's away from Christ. Um, and yet Christ is able to come and encounter us on that road. And like, he's, he's coming and forming very intimate relationships with us. Um, and so the, I, the ability to, to say that that is something that we share and that God has, has graced everyone with this gift. And that is what makes us a community of Christians. And that is what opens up this community to everyone because Christ is offering this gift for everyone. Um, and it's really mm. cool that we get to share that and to welcome people into that promise and that gift. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. You're making me <laughs> amped about it right now. Said it. Yeah. And that's one thing that throughout the sermon, she was kind of naming specific people that, that were walking with you who then like you saw God through those people. And I really liked the specificity of like the homeless person or the single mother in like, it's like seeing, um, putting specific names and specific identities to those people and saying God is in them and God is working through them. Hmm. Yeah. Naming them because that might not be where our minds automatically go or would expect. Mm-hmm. I, I was I was just talking to somebody about the idea of Christians called to serve, but then it can be kind of an idea of, oh, we have the stuff, so we should then serve to the poor. And kind of that separation of there's a difference between us. The haves and the have-nots. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it creates a... Um, a dynamic where you're looking down on them mm-hmm. and not fully part of fully seeing someone's humanity is I think seeing, yeah, like the gifts that they bring and their, their ability to contribute to a community um, as opposed to thinking that they just need help. Yeah, exactly. And like, I mean, Jesus shows how much humility has, has to come with service. Like when he's washing people's feet, like he, he's literally taking on the position of servants and doing doing the jobs that are way below his station as, as the king. Um, and yet he, he has, he has that kingliness. He, he is, he is that person for us. Um, and yet he sacrifices that to serve others. And I think that element of, of sacrifice with service and humility and yeah, is, is super important in, in understanding how as Christians, we can take the model of Jesus to serve others. Um, and not just have it be a very paternalistic kind of relationship, which Mm. doesn't end up being welcoming and and welcoming people in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think the, the road, the part about encountering Christ on the road in the end, even though there's so much in this room, like that's, I think that's what stood out to me the most and what I'll, I'll take with me the most um, because it's important to note that in this gospel story, the two people walking on the road with Jesus don't realize that it's him until they've been walking on the road for a long time and they stop for the night and he breaks the bread. Jesus breaks the bread. And where do I have it? Pastor Danielle said something about that that really stood out to me. She quotes them about that these after Jesus breaks the bed and the, the guys are talking about it later and they're like, and didn't, didn't we feel our hearts burning? Like yeah. we knew something was going on. But we couldn't name it. We couldn't like rationally, visually name it. And uh, then Pastor Danielle added to that, you know, isn't hindsight forgiving? And isn't it strange how we usually only see the holy in retrospect? Yeah. And I just identified with that. I think it, it's so true. There are lots of moments in life that feel like significant, but I can't name why. 
And there are a lot of times where something, a time seems crummy or hard or I'm just busy or I'm not really paying attention. And I look back on hindsight and all the things that have happened in my life in that period of time. And I'm like, I see a lot of holy moments in that. Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like those two, two dudes on the road to Emmaus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I relate. And then, and then, you know, she added to that looking forward to the future that every road holds the possibility for the divine encounter. Mm. And I think like as three, like young adults, like, yeah, I just, what does that mean for like our careers and like the things that the options and possibilities we're considering? Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it's, it's exciting. I, I mean, to, to think about the future and it, it can be really scary. I mean, I'm an undergrad and graduation is about a year out and it's it's kind of intimidating to think about what's what's happening afterwards, but knowing that on these roads, like Jesus is Jesus is walking with me and Jesus is is helping me um and he's there and even even when I'm not acknowledging him and I'm not seeing him working in my life, he he is and he's there and he's gracious and he's loving. Um so yeah, I that definitely struck me as well that idea that that every moment holds a potential for that encounter with Christ. And yeah, and I just I think about that in 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 trying to to how I conduct in the perspective I I take on my schoolwork. It's like is this am I just writing an essay or is this an opportunity to to encounter Christ and, and to learn from, you know, this, the coffee industry or whatever I'm writing about. I mean, like, wow, I, I can see God in, in the people whose lives these are affected. I can see, see God working through me to use my strengths to, to address this um, and to move forward into a career that addresses this. And so, yeah, in realizing that God is, God is there in career choices. God is there in relationship choices. Like God is mm-hmm. always there in, um, there for an encounter, um, which is amazing. And maybe in, in those moments where you don't notice or, yeah. you know, or aren't paying attention, don't notice, you know, Jesus walking with you, like, then you'll end up at that moment, the breaking of the bread yeah. back at communion, where then you look back and realize, yeah, oh, God was with yeah. me there. <laughs> totally. Do either of you have a specific moment that stands out as kind of holy in retrospect, but you didn't realize at the time? Ooh, that's a good so question. <laughs> Okay, here I can I can start. Um, this will if my parents are ever listening to this, this will I don't know how they'll react, but they will they will certainly chuckle. Um, in the middle of my junior year of high school, uh, my parents thought it would be a grand idea to move cities, um, and I was very upset at them that they would rip me out of my my high school experience um, and into a, a new high school. It was definitely hard the the first semester, like being halfway through junior year, not having any friends again, kind of starting starting at the bottom of the totem pole. And it, to, to make a, a long story short, I had to rethink a lot of my time commitments that I'd had at my old high school, being involved in theater, things like that. And it opened up space for, for different opportunities, which became integral in kind of what I did post high school. I ended up taking a gap year and being able to travel um, and got into NYU. And it's, it was that moment that I was so, so upset at, at my parents. Um, and they, they explained it to me when I asked them a thousand times why they're doing this. They're like, we feel like, like this is an opportunity that, that God gave to us and we wanted to jump on it and it wasn't going to come around again. So we moved to Fort Collins. Um, and I just refused to understand for the longest time, um, until I realized that it, it ended up, opening opportunities up for me, for my parents. Um, and it really was acting on, 
on what God had put on their heart, even though I didn't want to, didn't want to admit it. Um, and so, yeah, so I, I think about that a lot and how I wouldn't have had a lot of the experiences that have been very formative, um, in my young adult life had it not been for that, that pretty dramatic move that really yeah. shook things up. That's interesting because the moment I was thinking of was also a move, Um, (laughs) but it was between um, first and second grade for me. Uh, So we moved from Iowa to a suburb of Seattle. Uh, And so we before that, my parents had always lived in the Midwest. And so for job changes and kind of my dad's company moved him to a suburb of Seattle uh, and, and also in that, of course, we switched churches, but my parents have been switching back and forth between the kind of two major Lutheran denominations. And so in Iowa, they were at uh, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, which is the conservative women can't preach marriages, one man, one woman type of church, to a very liberal ELCA church in like a suburb of Seattle. Uh, and so then I grew up kind of with that mindset and with those ideas of this is Christianity for me, which then coming out as gay was a lot easier than if I had been living in Iowa uh, and a very conservative church. And so see, and even though I I would have, I had no control over the situation and it's, but, and I wouldn't come out for years later. It's still that change and that culture around me profoundly affected me as a young adult yeah sure those are both great examples i'm you know i'm gonna follow up with a smaller example because i think your your guys's big move examples were so so great you know we had deanne you had mentioned earlier about that seeing christ in a a person who comes into your life you might may not expect you know like like a single mother or a homeless person and so my example is now several times throughout my last five years living in New York, obviously, and I'm sure you guys have too, like I've been a- approached and um, and engaged by homeless people a lot, you know, on the subway walking, like there are many, many homeless people who are prompting, you know, everyone walking by to, to, to give something to help them out. And often uh, for me that that it's so persistent that it can start to become an annoyance, um, which is terrible. Um, and I don't, you know, like that about myself, but it's just the, the reality of the situation. I think the, particularly the endless repetitiveness of it, um, kind of tends to have that effect on people. That's human nature. But, um, every so often a, a, person a homeless person has walked up to me and and made that very familiar um plea and engagement and maybe i i was annoyed at first or i was you know just short with them i was like oh man this feels like an imposition like i'm always stressed about money do i give you know and and those few moments where i not only like share something with them but like take take the time to be like you know and where i like get past that initial crummy feeling and I'm like you know what what am I doing I'm gonna like I'm gonna open up to this person and I and I take like five minutes to sit with them and be like hey what's your what so what's your story um those have been some of like my most illuminating experiences in New York Mm -hmm. um 
because the the stories of uh, many people living on the streets help not only help you to understand how homelessness happens in a much more real way, but also, you know, it brings out this new empathy and compassion and this new sense of connection that um, that you're missing if you know if you just continue to walk by and be be annoyed. And uh, and I carry and I carry that with me. And you know, like I I had already given like a buck or two, you know. So like it wasn't like they were telling their sob like a fake sob story in order to get me to give. Like that part had already happened, and I was just sitting with them. So like it felt very honest and authentic. Um, and they weren't like crazy stories, but they were they were real. You know, family stuff, um, apartment, you know, housing stuff, landlord stuff, like a, a variety of reasons. But anyway, I think. You know, those Christ is calling us to have compassion. So I think if there are people that come into our lives and are able to draw that out of us, that's that's God working. God's the coolest. Thank you for listening. You can find us online at adventnyc.org. Our services are 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. in English and 1230 in Spanish at 93rd and Broadway.